Thank you very much. Welcome and good morning and thank you for being here. Um, it's always exciting to be part of what the church is doing and to see how it's alive and how things are changing and happening for us. Um, thank you guys for being patient and being part of it. This morning, we continue in our series called Dig Deep. We are four weeks in, or this is the fourth week. We've, um, we've called the series Dig Deep because we are exploring our theme for the year called Courage. And to have courage, you need to dig deep. But we said from the start that digging deep in ourselves is sometimes a bit of an ugly place. So we need to dig deep in our relationship with God. The key scripture is 1 Chronicles 28 verse 20 that where David said to his son Solomon, take courage and do the work. So that's where we are this morning. We define courage as not the absence of fear, but the acknowledgement of the presence of God in everything, in everything we face, in everything we do. We, we saw that we need to be men and women after God's own heart, quick to repent, with our hearts humble at all times. Just gives us a good footing. When we make God's voice the loudest voice in our lives, then we can take courage because we're listening to what He has to say. And then when we make courage in action and forget about the emotion that is fear, well, not forget about it because it kind of stares you in the face all the time, but say that the action I take is greater than the fear I feel, then things get a little bit different. Now, if you've missed any of this, be like Sammy, go onto the, onto the website, onto our podcast, and go and listen to the series. You haven't missed out. You can still catch up. But this morning... We continue this, this idea of digging deep. And we off, like I said, we're four weeks in. So by this time, you have said, and I believe all of you have said, that you have taken this to heart. You have made this theme your own. You have some good scripture to hold on to that, that encourages you when, when difficult times hit. And, and you have some good examples inspiring life stories of, of people from the Bible that shows you how to take courage. So you're saying, bring it on. Come on, life, what's, hit me with your best shot. I just, I thought that, you know, people were going to be raving and ranting and like at least somebody swinging from a chandelier by this stage. Hey, all right, I've, I've got a giggle out of them. That's, we're okay. Clearly, it's not that way. Clearly, life doesn't quite work that way. All right? Because life, when we leave these four walls, get a little bit difficult. In fact, you get to your car and you get slapped with some reality. You get to home, you get to work, and the wind just ta gets taken right out of your sails with this, this little bad word called discouragement. And over and over and over again, we get hit by this little word discouragement. Why does this happen? Why, does, why do we get discouraged so quickly and so easily? Well, sometimes it's because we're just tired. You know, um, that fallacy we have that we say, I can get by on three hours of sleep. Really? Or, or, or uh, you know, it's the new year. I've just had a holiday. You had a holiday, but you spent the whole holiday stressing about the new year. So 
Where did your holiday go? You know? How about um, we are rested? In fact, we're resting. No, are you resting? You, we have to be honest about these questions. And I know you guys are sitting there going, where is he going with this? Uh, we're not going to take a 10-minute nap. I'm sorry. I was hoping, I, I asked, they wouldn't let me. All right. But are we resting? Are we doing the things that fill our tanks? So that we can get to a place where these weak little human bodies can actually take the courage and do something with it. It's really, really hard to be courageous when you're not entirely awake. Okay? The next thing. We get discouraged because we're frustrated. What are we frustrated with? The thing that most frustrates most of us is our pasts. We get badly hung up by our pasts. Why? Because I should be over that. I should have moved on by now. All right? How about this one? I don't have time to deal with that right now. Well, it seems like it has time to deal with you. You know? I hear, often hear people saying things like, but I'm over it. And my question is always, but why are you so defensive? If you are so over it, why are you so defensive? Another thing that gets us discouraged is opposition. It's because there's opposition. I'm taking courage. I'm being courageous. Why is there opposition? That's the point. All right? David sat his son down and said, Solomon, my boy, take courage and do the work. Before you've even started, take courage. But I haven't started yet. Why? Because there's going to be some pushback. It's going to be a little bit difficult. All right? Or maybe it's just because you've had a bad day. That's why you got discouraged. Discouragement is something that we need to expect. And something that we're all going to face at some stage of our lives. That's why David said to Solomon, take courage. We must remember that courage is an action taken over and over again. It's never a feeling. It doesn't, you don't have this warm, fuzzy thing coming up inside of you and going, yes, courage. Uh, I, well, maybe you do. Vanna doesn't, all right? So opposition will come. I'm sorry for breaking the bad news to you guys. I know that's why the crowd is so quiet now. But let's look at some examples of people who dealt with discouragement, with, who dealt with some opposition. The first one is David. David gets, gets anointed as the next king. And then moments later, well, not moments later, but a few years later, the very king that he is anointed to be tries to peg him to a wall with the spear. All right? So his anointed position is trying to take his life. Isn't that just a wonderful thing? You can read about that in 1 Samuel 18, verses 10 and 11. Another person is Joseph. Joseph has these dreams about his, these dreams about his brothers and his family worshiping him. Instead, they try to kill him. Isn't that just wonderful, you know? So his dream tried to kill him, or his dream almost got him killed. Daniel, well, for Daniel it was difficult because the advisors that he worked with, you know, his, the, the employees that was like on his level, 
tried to kill him. You know, you think you have it rough at work. All right. Why did they want to kill David? Because he was doing a good job. You know, nobody's ever faced that kind of trouble, have you? You can go read about that in Daniel 6. And then there's Joshua and Caleb. These two guys are sent out as spies and they come back and they're like, you will never believe what God has for us. And then the people of God listen to these two young men who trust God and they're like, you're crazy. You want to get us killed? We'll do it before you do it. And they try to kill them. In fact, they have this whole coup about killing these two guys. It's in Numbers 14, verse 10. So my question is, if these guys faced opposition to that end, how important is your dream to you? How important is your purpose in God to you? Are you willing for the employees at work to start thinking about killing you? you How about that family member who's always on your case? How about that thing that God has placed in your heart? You're like, I just know I have to do that. I know this is in my future, and it seems like it's going to kill you. How about the very people of God hear you say that you trust God, and they're like, well, that's stupid. I read an article this week by a guy called John Bloom. It's called Being Real About Being Real, and it's an encouragement about becoming real, authentic followers of Jesus. And it reads as follows, or just one paragraph. One of us, sorry, none of us are fully real yet. We are all in the process of God helping us become real, like Jesus, real or authentic. He will complete this good work in each of us, and he will use others to accomplish it in us, and vice versa. The process and context he, he chooses to do this in and through us often look much different than our imagined ideals. It's usually harder and takes much longer than what we expect. But his ways are better than our ideals. So God's heart for us is to become these authentic, real followers of Jesus. And this will take courageous action over and over and over again. God will do the work. He will use others. But the problem is, at times it it won't be nice. At times it won't be fun. In fact, you might hate some of the process. Why? Because, well, let's be honest, if I'm not there yet, it means I I have to change. I don't enjoy change. I don't want to change. That, That wasn't in the brochure, you know, when I signed up for this Christian thing. Well, it was in the fine print. You just had to turn it over, you know, and go, we, we have a leaflet. We really don't have a leaflet, I promise. <laughs> but change is something that's going to come. And change is what it takes or what takes our courage. We have a good example in the New Testament. The church, um, the Hebrews got the letter. Let me get to Hebrews here. The guys being written to, um, they faced some minor challenges. Let's read about their minor challenges and just, just hear of it, some of the stuff that we face today and then figure out where our courage needs to be taken. Hebrews 10 from verse 32 says the following. Think back on those early days 
when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful, even though it meant terrible suffering. Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule, and you were beaten. And sometimes you, you helped others who were suffering the same things. You sacrificed along with those who were thrown into jail. And when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew that there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. So do not throw away your confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. The challenge here is for us to take the courage to become authentic followers of Christ. To take the courage over and over and over again on a daily basis to become authentic followers of Christ. Philippians 2 and verse 12, in the version that I learned at Bible school, it said, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What does that mean is there's something happening in here, but it's no use it's staying there. It has to happen out here. And if what's happening in your heart doesn't translate into what you are doing on a daily basis, then you're missing out. Your salvation is kind of a half a salvation. We say it in, in our vision and our values. We are found in God. We are formed in community. That means something's happening in here. But we are fruitful in this world. So our hand starts doing things because of what is happening in our hearts and in our lives. The NLT is translated this way. It says, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. The only way to do it is in obedience to God. That's how we live out our salvation. That's how we live out this wonderful gift that we have been given from God. The series is called Dig Deep because digging deep is working it out with God in obedience to God. Working it out with God in obedience to God. Now, obedience, I know, I can see by your faces, it's like a modern-day swear word. You say obedience and people are like, eh, like Volney. All right? I hear you. I dealt with youth for a long time. They also didn't want to. Because for a big part, I didn't want to. Because obedience means that I don't get to do it my way. I watched The Lion King with my son yesterday, cried my eyes out, uh, that movie, man. But Simba, is, he has this conversation with Zazu, yes, a lion is having a conversation with a toucan, uh, or a hornbill, um, but Simba says to him, you know, I'm going to be king one day and I get to do whatever I want to, and he's like, well, you're going to be a terrible king then, that's what Zazu answers him. He, he tries the same thing with his dad. He's like, dad, one day I'm going to be king and I can get to do whatever I want to. His dad says to him, there's more to being king than doing whatever you want to. I love his answer. There's more? <laughs> what do you mean there's more than doing exactly what I want to, you know? And we sometimes live there a little bit. We think that, you know, we get to do what we want to. And there's nothing more than getting to do what we want to. 
The problem is this. A guy called Jordan Peterson, he's a clinical psychologist and a writer. He explains it this way. He says, people are obsessed with rights and freedom. Rights and freedom. We all get told about our rights and our freedom all the time. But in order to have rights and freedom, we have to take responsibility and we have to apply the truth. Now, I don't know where Jordan Peterson stands with Jesus, but that's some truth right there. You see, if you've ever listened to a political speech in your life, people will promise you rights and freedom for days without ever taking a moment to tell you that in order to, for you to have those rights and those freedoms, you have to take responsibility. You have to apply the truth. It creeps into the church. We fight it on a weekly basis, I promise you. Where people are told about rights and freedoms. We have freedom in Christ. We have rights as believers. We have a right to heaven and a right to sonship and a right to this and a right to that. The problem is there's little mention of taking responsibility and applying the truth of God to our lives. Simple word, obedience. So we work out our salvation in obedience to God to become authentic followers of Jesus. In other words, dig deep. And all of this just takes a lot of courage to be authentic. It takes a lot of courage to be real. So how do we get there? We've made up some steps, but these steps are found right through the Bible. And these steps are very, very simple because God doesn't make it difficult for us. The decisions are very simple. The actions, they take some courage. And like we know by now, courage isn't something that just conjures up inside of us, does it? But the first step to taking courage, to, become, to taking the courage to become authentic is that we need to confess courageously. We need to confess courageously. Now, when I say that, I promise you, when you do it right, it won't be pretty. There's going to be some ugly crying. Have you ever seen ugly crying? That's when, you know, you, you, you convulse and you can't stop and the snot is over here and, you know. That's what it looks like. But it will be real and it will be authentic. And you'll hear yourself say things like, I'm angry. I'm disappointed. I'm hurt. I'm depressed. I'm alone. I'm an addict. I'm a liar. I'm a racist. I'm a gossip. I'm a thief. But it leads us to, to the exact spot of where we are. And for the first time, I think we we hear ourselves saying, you know what? I'm not as okay as I thought I was. Because who knows that we're not as okay as we thought we were. And it's important to figure out where am I? And that happens when we confess. When we land ourselves before God and say, Lord, this is where I am. This is my struggle. This is where things are broken. And oftentimes we need to hear ourselves saying it so that we can take responsibility 
and apply the truth. One of my, we, we, get to, we get to read the Psalms, and it kind of feels like somebody stumbled onto David's diary and published it amongst the Psalms. All right? Like, if you've ever read people's diaries, don't do it. This is not, you know, please. Go read David's diary. That's okay. But one of the, one of the Psalms is, is David just confessing where he is. Psalm 51, and it starts like this. It says, for the choir director, you can sing this if you want to. A Psalm of David, regarding the time Nathan the prophet came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. This is David's confession to God when he messed up. It starts like this. It says, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me. Clean me from guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say. And your judgment against me is just. Verse 7 says, purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't let me keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Why do we do this? Why do we get so emotional? Why do we get so raw? Why do we get on our knees before God? Verse 16 says, God, you do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. That is why we need to start here, confessing courageously. The next thing is for us to pray courageously, to land up in front of our Father, to figure out where we are, where am I, where does it leak, where's the hole, and then to go to our Father and say, Lord, this is where I am. Will you forgive me? Go to the one who cares. Go to the one whose heart is as broken as yours is. The one, the only one who can forgive. The only one who can set you free. The only one who really wants to work with you to get through this thing. You see, this is no time for our dinner time rhyme. I stole that from someone. I thought it was really good. This is no time for our dinner time rhyme. This is no time to say the prayers that we always say. This is the time that three-word prayers really work well. Forgive me, Lord. Lead me, Lord. Guide me, Lord. Give me the strength to take the courage, Lord. Teach me, Lord, your ways. Teach me the art of living well. Don't hide. It's time to pray, Lord, teach me how to fight this thing right. It's a place where you can say, Lord, I have questions. 
I don't quite understand why and I don't quite understand how. But in prayer, we realize that we're not alone. In prayer, we realize that we're home with the one who cares, the one who can make the difference. Then next up, we need to trust courageously. We need to, now trust is connected to this word called faith. What is faith? Faith is that God, believing that God is who he says he is. How do we get faith? Romans 10 and verse 17 tells us very explicitly, it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Simple. How do we get faith? Read God's word. Go and immerse yourself in the word of God. Go and find these promises for you, for yourself. Don't go Google 20 promises for me. Because that's their promises. They can keep their promises. It's like, I don't know where to start reading the Bible. Well, let me tell you something. Go and read the Gospels. They chronicle a man's life who said, I don't do anything unless I see my father doing it, unless I hear my father saying it. That's who we need to be looking at because that's Jesus. And then after the Gospels, we read the book of Acts where the people whose lives were impacted, the people who were the eyewitnesses to Jesus, we see how their lives was impacted and how they lived out, how they worked out their salvation with fear and trembling in obedience to God. So that's how we trust courageously. We dig into God's word for ourselves, getting his promises for ourselves. The fourth thing then is that we need to act courageously. We said in the beginning that courage is an action. It's not an emotion. It's not something that's going to well up inside and suddenly I'm courageous. It's going to scare you to death and then you're going to make a good decision and then your emotions will catch up with you. Can I say that again? It's going to scare you to death. You're going to make a good courageous decision and your emotions will follow. As the band comes up, we need to apply the truth of God's word to our lives. That's how we act courageously. David said to Solomon, take courage. What does that taking look like in your life? What does that action step look like in your life? We have four things up there. Confess, pray, trust, act. The thing is, I, I wish that I could say, once you've ticked everything on the list, you're good. Heaven's waiting for you. The, the gates are open. Well, it is. But that's not the only time you're going to do it. You're going to do this about 20 times a day, maybe 100 times a day, where we're going to confess, where we're going to pray, where we're going to trust, and where we're going to act. And over and over and over again, we do it again and again. And why do we do it? Why do we go through the pain? Why do we go through the frustration? To become authentic followers of Jesus. Because we take the courage to become authentic. If we look at confess, our, our Bible story heroes in the beginning, David confessed. David repented 
like very few people could repent. Just read Psalm 51. Joseph, man, he had to do some praying because he had to forgive and he had to be forgiven. We look at, we look at trust. Daniel had to trust God. That God, I, I just did a good job. Why do they want to kill me? He had to trust and act. We see it in Joshua and Caleb's lives. They acted on what God said to them to do. And then, wonder by wonder, the people didn't respond the way they thought they should. And so they had to hold on to a promise for 40 years. They had to see a future that wasn't there yet for 40 years. And then 40 years later, you get the story of Caleb saying, guys, 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 guys. 40 years ago, God made me a promise. And everybody else can have the low-lying areas. Everybody else can have the vineyards and the rivers. Give me the mountains. I'm 80 years old and I'm as strong today as I was back then. I want to act out this promise that God has given me. May we live there daily. May we live in a place where we can daily take the promises of God and say, bring it on. I have taken courage. I have courageously confessed. I have courageously prayed. I'm courageously trusting God and his word. That's why I can act in courage on a daily basis. As we take communion this morning, the ushers can, can hand out communion. I want to do it a, as, we, as we celebrate Jesus giving his life for us, Jesus paying the price for our sin. May this be, may this be the point where we get to start our confession. And maybe even jump into start praying and saying, God, I thank you that I get to be here. God, I thank you for what you've done. And God, I thank you for what you're about to do. Because authentic lives take courageous action. We walk away from the false, from the pretense, and we walk toward the true picture that God intended on a daily basis, ever so slowly at the pace that he sets. Just going to give a moment for everybody to be served, and then we'll pray together, and, and you can take part.
get to ask this question, what qualifies or disqualifies us from taking part? The qualification is a relationship with Jesus. That's what we need to accept His sacrifice for us. So if you this morning want to take part in communion with us, you are welcome because you're making a stand. I just want to see if everybody's been helped, everybody's been served. Fantastic. This morning, as we close our eyes, you can agree with me. We thank you, Lord, this morning that we can come and celebrate. Lord, that we can come and celebrate the greatest tragedy that ever happened. The Son of God killed. The Son of God treated like a murderer. But Lord God, I thank you that we can celebrate that we got freedom from it that we got given rights to heaven access to the father because of it but lord jesus first and foremost we need to thank you lord that you took responsibility for us that you applied the truth to your life so that we can have rights and freedom lord as we take up our responsibility and apply your truth we thank you that we get to be a part of it lord we take your body broken for us and we say thank you lord lord and then we drink the wine the little cup of juice that represents your blood, Jesus. Your blood that washes away our sins. Like David said, washes us whiter than snow, Father God. And gives us the best footing to be the people that you have created us to be, Father God. Amen. I'm going to ask the band if we can do that very song called New Wine. And just listen to the words and just let it sink into your heart. The promises that God has for you. So Father, we come and we lay down the old. And we take up the new you have for us. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you, Lord, that as we confess courageously, Father, we can know that you don't reject us, Lord. Lord, as we pray, we know that we are drawn in close to your heart. Lord, as we read your word, we thank you that you will bring those promises that you have for us to light, Father God, so that we can act courageously in our daily lives, Lord, so that we can live out our salvation in obedience to you. We thank you for, for blessing us with your goodness. We thank you for taking us home safely, and we thank you for helping us to live it out. Pray all of this in Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. If, if you need prayer, if you need somebody to just cement something in your heart with you, come and join us in the front. Let's pray for you. Otherwise, have a coffee and have a visit. Have a wonderful week. Thank you.